0: podcast this is a weekly podcast by Denver transplants we are the Andrews and this is you aren't from you boom there we go um, so 81 81 correct 81 yeah and I uh I had quite the Colorado weekend I you know oh, yeah the, the the nine yeah How'd the go? Colorado nine which surprisingly I didn't realize how many people haven't heard of the Colorado nine.
1: Really? Like people you met on the slopes or on the golf course or?
0: It was more where? on like my, I posted on my like Instagram and um, I had a lot of locals or people that have are now considered locals, I guess, transplants that had never heard of it. When,
1: when do you get the local status? How many years do you have to be here?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm still calling myself a transplant. I don't want to be from here yet.
1: I, I like being from New York. I like living here better, but
0: um, I
1: agree. So really, so people message DM would you and were like, what, what is going on? Cause I, I saw, I was cheering you on vicariously through your Instagram. Yeah. I mean, different legs and whatnot, but people were just like, what's this?
0: Yeah. I posted like leg one and people were like, I'm excited to see what this is. Cause I've never heard of
1: it. <laughs> like, Oh, it's just three things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, like, it's <laughs> pretty fun. established. I thought it was pretty established.
0: I did too. It was, it was quite the day. I, to be honest, I don't know how many Colorado Nines I have left in me because we started drinking at 7 15 a.m. and I think stopped at 11 p.m. Wow.
1: How'd but you I, get around? Driving is always the most challenging part, right?
0: Yeah, there was like a it, party bus. So we oh,
1: good. that's but, good. Okay. Because uh, we had to manage our, our drinking Yeah,
0: <laughs> or had no, DDs. We, The The party bus is the way to do it. I would say what I didn't realize which I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think what's either becoming a trend or is the typical trend is going to herbs after the baseball game.
1: Ah, I mean, we did that. I don't know if,
0: I mean, there was three other groups at herbs. So I think it, I think that's what it is.
1: It's just a natural spot going back to the bar madness. Like that is, yeah, it's just, it's the spot. It's the best downtown spot for just like exactly that kind of stuff. Like just,
0: I mean, Terminal Bar Grungy beat it, dive so. bar? Ah, Yeah, yeah
1: but that was a mistake. We, we've already learned that.
0: Yeah. So this week, uh, we, are, we had an interview with Matt Gold, who is the CEO of Kirstie Sports. So you'll hear that a little bit later. I'm still on the, on the interview grind, but interesting. Obviously, a, a big brand in Colorado. I would imagine most people on our podcast know of Christie Sports. So if you don't, just... Google it, read a little bit about it. It's predominantly a rental and retail outdoors store is I guess how you would say it in a very simplistic way.
1: Yeah. An interesting interview. Got him to open up a little bit on uh, some of his passions at the end. You he heard a little bit his surfing and, and places he likes in Colorado. So excited, uh, excited to put this one out there.
0: Yeah. So Andrew, where do fruits go on vacation?
1: Banana land,
0: <laughs> it's not bad. Pear is Paris, <laughs> nice. So, pear is mm-hmm. or Paris. I thought it was pretty good. I like that That's one. a good one. I like good that one. Bad joke.
1: I had one in case you didn't have one, but you always seem to have one. So, <laughs>
0: I'll let you. The, the, get, the list get, is we'll double long. up. We can double, double up, up this week. Yeah.
1: How do cows stay up to date?
0: Um, I don't know.
1: They read the moose paper.
0: Wow. I like it. That, that, one's your-
1: a, that one's like a grandfathery joke, right? You tell it to your like very, like very young grandchild or like, you remember that and you're like, Oh, that's so funny. Not, <laughs>
0: yeah. Those are, those not are not highbrow. There we go. I like it. So with that, Andrew, what are we learn this week?
1: Speaking of things I read in the moose paper, or at least thought I did. Um, <laughs> so Denver has the international church of cannabis. It is located at 400 South Logan Street, uh, and it is an actual registered religious place for a group of people that call themselves Elevationists. So interestingly enough, the location itself used to be a Lutheran church way back when. And over time, I think it was sometime in the, yeah, April of 2017, it reopened because uh, I guess they didn't have enough congregationalists from the Lutheran Church, it reopened as a church of worship for the followers of a brand new religion, elevationism, dedicated to the spiritual benefits of cannabis. And obviously, only fitting that elevationism and and the Church of Cannabis is here in Denver. Obviously, now weed is legal across many of the states. But interestingly enough, not only did the church open on 420, but there is a bit of a challenge with practicing or what they call like taking the sacrament because you can't legally smoke weed in any places or inside of any buildings in Denver as it is right now. So they talk about like people like taking the sacrament and whatnot, but it's not actually licensed on the premises. What you can do on the premises, you can go to a laser light show uh, and sound show called beyond it begins, uh, after 20 minutes after the hour, every hour from 12 to 8 on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and then 4 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tickets are $10 to $25, and it's for adults, children under 12, and students. So check it out, 400 South Logan Street. If you want to get high in the mile high, maybe get high before going because you can't when you're there, but you can learn about elevationism. I think I, I will go check it out at some point this summer and report back and, and see what it looks like just because it's so fascinating. The pictures are beautiful online of the laser light show and, and stuff like that. So The International Church of cannabis, cannabis, Mecca of Elevationism. That's that's what we got for what you learned this week. Denver's a hub.
0: Yeah. I'm not super surprised by Denver being a hub for cannabis. I like it. That's an interesting what you learned. I, I know people... I feel like people talk about it and have heard about it, but no one's really done that much research on it. If you look up the photos, it's actually really cool. The photos look like it's really like crazy looking art that would probably be worth seeing if you're on cannabis.
1: Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but I'm excited. It's, some people call it the Sistine Chapel for a new generation. So.
0: Wow. You heard it here first.
1: <laughs> That's what we learn. Where did we try this week?
0: What did we try?
1: What did we try? are
0: combining the two, but I like it. Uh <laughs> The where You Go This Week is going to be the interview with Christy Sports. So the What Did We Try, which is kind of a Where'd You Go, What'd You Try, is Odell's Brewing, but specifically the Sloan's Lake location. So they actually have a Sloan's Lake location, which is 1625 Perry Street. Denver, Colorado, and then they also have a five points location, which I'd probably call more of a rhino location, which is 30th and Lammer. And then if you didn't know, Odell's is actually not a Denver brewery. It's a Fort Collins brewery. So I think a lot of people think they have two brew houses or they have two kind of like brew house places, but their main brewery is out of Fort Collins. So this one's like brew house one, which is right on the edge of the lake is I think personally the atmosphere and the setup for it all is like absolutely stunning. It has a first floor. It's got like some some brewing in the back. That's like some big old barrels and everything you can see. But then you also, and it's kind of like old wooden, kind of feels like an old, like you're in a brewery as most breweries do. And then you go up, like if you want to, you can go up like two flights of stairs, three flights of stairs, and there's an outdoor patio up on top that overlooks the lake, which I think is just absolutely stunning. So as for beer and food, food, they're known for their pizzas. And I would say their pizzas are really, really good. They also have obviously their beers. I would say the beers are, you know, they're the typical brewery pricing we've talked about, where it's, <laughs> you know, six to $9 for a beer, which is still beyond me on how, your beer can be more expensive at your brewery than it can be if you go to a like grocery store and buy the beer for for the view i guess so so that is that um for food wise pizzas range from about 14 to 20 and they're kind of more of the artisanal uh kind of more it looks like wood fire stove um, type pizzas i would say when we were there they actually, the fire alarm went off and we had to leave early, which I'm not sure if that was related to the fire. Yeah. So was that the
1: pizza oven? I that's, don't...
0: that's my only guess. Is the pizza <laughs> oven got too smoky or something happened because there were no other issues, but we all had to vacate and we had to leave the place. So um, that's uh,
1: two thoughts on, the, on that place, too. It was so you'd go up two flights of stairs, but what's on the middle? So there's the ground floor and then the first floor and then the upper terrace. Is there what's on the first floor?
0: There is no like connection floor. I think it's related to the building next door. So they just built like um. they have really high ceilings. But to further my point about beer being way more expensive at breweries, you can literally buy a six pack for their most expensive six pack is fifteen dollars online, and their cheapest one is ten ninety nine. So basically, if you're buying one beer at the brewery, you're almost buying a six pack.
1: Do you believe in the idea that like, draft beer is superior to canned beer?
0: I I haven't fully decided. Did you know that people also have the tale that they say that you technically get more hungover from draft beer than you do canned beer?
1: Oh, why because, is that?
0: Because in the line that runs, it's kind of gross, but from the line that runs from the tap to the spigot, mm-hmm. it grows bacteria, and so that bacteria like has for some reason, it creates hangovers. We need to do some research. Maybe there'll be a wedge you next week. Oh.
1: You know what? Actually, that makes me think of something. You ever been to Hogshead Brewing? No. So their whole thing is, you know, like a, a you get beer from draft. It's from a keg, uses CO2. Hogshead, and I guess the British pub way is casked ales. So what that mm. means is like you just machine crank it. So they just have like basically whenever you want a beer, they like crank a handle a couple times and it spits out into the, hmm. into the glass. I don't know if that changes anything, but we should see if we should go because they also have great beer, but then we should interview those guys and say, tell us why casking is different. Well, obviously it's different because no nitrogen, but maybe there's benefits on the hangover piece too.
0: Yeah. I'll test the question. Then we
1: solved the big problem.
0: Yeah. It's a huge problem. So sounds like brewery. I, you know, I like Odell's beer. Generally, I would say their pizza is really good. I think it's worth a trip. Like you're right on the edge of Sloan's Lake. I think I'm going to rate it 7.5, just kind of right down the middle. You know, mm-hmm. it's worth the travel. Would I go leaps and miles for it? No. But like, if you want somewhere over close to Sloan's Lake, you want to go across town, I think it's worth it. It's worth a visit. Get a pizza, get a beer. Late afternoon, happy hours are just, they're beautiful there, especially yeah. this time of year.
1: Hopefully they get trivia up and going over there because they do it Tuesday nights at the other location in Rhino. Mm -hmm. That's always pretty fun. And that patio would be a fun trivia venue. uh, Just like you're saying, you know, eight o'clock, seven o'clock, nice sunset going down over the mountains. Yeah. That could be really nice.
0: No, exactly. Other
1: interesting thing I learned while we were there, Odell has a winery. Did you know that? I did not know that. Up in Fort Collins. Yeah. They've got like this wine project that they're running. I still have not been to Fort Collins, which is also a place I'd really like to go to. i have not uh, for Odell's among other things. But yeah, Northern Colorado's destination winery, premium wine, handmade by folks right here in Fort Collins. So they have a winery up there, too. Interesting. So they're expanding.
0: Yeah. Well, we need to get an interview. That's going to be an interesting one.
1: We're going to have a lot of beer focused interviews.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's good. It's good. It's timber. (laughs) Yeah. So with that, uh, that's where you've come to, you know, love our segments at the front, uh, here's your interview with Matt gold, the CEO of Christy sports. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. All right, everybody. Well, we have Matt gold, who is the CEO of Christy sports. Uh, thank you for being here, Matt.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, So start off always with an easy question. Uh, Can you just give us a little bit about your background, um, a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Christie Sports?
2: Sure. Uh, And I know your podcast, the theme, you know, is about transplants, you know, here to to Colorado. And uh, I certainly tick box on that one. Um, Born and raised in Washington, D.C., uh, right from the start, you know, I was uh, a sports lover and anything and everything, you know, I could get my hands on, you know, as a sports junkie, I was, I was all in from a young age, ended up playing tennis, basketball, football, ran cross country, you know, all at varsity level in high school. And, Then uh, for college, I ended up going to Pomona College out in uh, Claremont, California, and just uh, focused on tennis, played on a tennis team there, qualified for two NCAA championships, um, you know, um, at that point. But then it was time to, you know, get a real job and figure out a career path. I also, you know, again, had laser focus on my passion for sports and trying to figure out a way uh, to translate that leverage, you know, that into into a career. Really kind of pushed hard and was fortunate, you know, to get a break initially only as an intern at a sports marketing agency named uh, Advantage International, which eventually evolved into Octagon. These days, which is, uh, I think, basically, like, number two in that space, Uh, everybody's probably heard of IMG, you know, as the big heavyweight uh, in sports marketing, and, you know, Octagon, you know, big number, you know, again, is a a strong player there, and that was interesting for initially, and then got a great opportunity with Wilson Sporting Goods, uh, International Marketing and Business Development, and, you know, pursued that. And Wilson ended up being part of a larger group of sporting goods brands called Amir Sports, uh, which people probably, you know, many people probably haven't heard of the parent company, but would be very familiar with the portfolio of blue chip sporting goods brands and sporting goods companies that through mergers and acquisitions, you know, we developed um, into um, a worldwide leader in the sporting goods industry. And I was then part of, you know, the leadership team that, you know, built that group and, you know, built that business. Um, I developed and led their business model in Japan, in China, and then the whole Asia Pacific uh, region. And uh, you know, served on the executive board there um, until um, I ended up, you know, moving on. And it was time to come home, back to the U.S. for some professional and personal reasons. And you know, Christy Sports and I, fortunately, you know, found each other. And uh, it's uh, it, it's been uh, it's been a great ride for sure.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think looking at a bit of your background too, you spent a bunch of time over in Asia, right? In, in mm-hmm. Tokyo and in Shanghai and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, what, what drew you out there in the first place? And then what drew you back to, to Denver when you came back for Kirsty?
2: This was a time when Wilson and many, you know, blue chip, uh, sporting goods companies were really expanding international, uh, expanding internationally and sort of spreading their wings and developing operations and, you know, marketing and, uh, branding into as part of globalization. And so as part of that you know team with Wilson, after a couple of years of, of doing that international marketing business development work, supporting efforts in Europe, in Asia, in South America, they you know, offered me the opportunity to either uh, move to Europe, and uh, work within, you know, their European division and operations, or Japan. And I was 24 years old. I, I simply went for the high risk, high reward, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, option. You know, packed a suitcase, uh, got on a plane. Uh, wasn't really sure what I was walking into, but be, it ended up, you know, being an absolutely uh, amazing, once in a lifetime experience. Wow. Yeah. And was, was it over 20 years then that you were between Japan and, and China? It ended up, yes. Wow. Uh, what was supposed to be three to five years, these things have a way of taking on a life of their own. But uh, as I say, you know, Wilson and as part of Amer, as I went to roles for the parent company kept offering me, you know, really kind of inspiring, uh, growth opportunities and the company also kept expanding and, uh, kind of exploring, you know, new frontiers. And, um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I basically, you know, built, you know, the business for this group in Asia, you know, and, and, and led it, and we were successful and we had a blast.
0: So focusing a little bit more on Christie sports, as you came over, You started back in 2017, I guess. What were some of the goals that you had coming to Christie sports and like, really, what did you want to see the future of Christie sports?
2: Yeah. So the company's got a lot of history, you know, obviously really well established, you know, here in Colorado and and the Rockies as a leader, leading specialist in in winter and outdoor company, you know, it was founded in 1958, 64 years young so I think, you know, a lot of uh, success, uh, tradition, a track record of success to perpetuate. You know, I wanted, I think as much as anything, keep uh, expanding the company and keep it growing. I mean, companies either grow or die, but to do it, you know, through a lens focusing really on our people, our employees, and our customers. and That's, you know, really been my philosophy. And I think it's actually, over time, even become increasingly, you know, more important to me not to really focus on growth in dollars and cents or growth for growth's sake, but that if we just put laser focus, if we just continuously improve our employees' experience and our customers' experience, then the business will continue to be wildly successful that you know you know the performance will come and you know that's what we've done so far so good you know we have to you know make sure we stay humble and hungry and sort of never get uh, arrogant and complacent but you know we do keep working on our kind of sustainable growth model and try to keep expanding in smart and healthy ways and It's mostly, you know, because we do take pride and, you know, believe uh, we're pretty darn good at what we do, you know, as a leader, as a leading specialist in the winter and outdoor space. And at the end of the day, I mean, we're explorers. I mean, we're adventurers and there's just uh, still for us, even with our now 65 locations and our online platforms, you know, across five states, still many, many more, aspirational destinations and places of practice and play for us to explore and, you know, us to expand to. And our customers, um, you know, they, they tend to love us and be very loyal because of the outstanding service and experience, you know, we provide. So we say, okay, well, let's keep then inviting more to the party.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense too. I think Companies that focus on employee retention and, and as well as the customer experience really can just build on all of the knowledge base that you build up from working for a place for a while, which, which ends up being super, super valuable. But, and it'd be interesting to hear too, I guess, you know, how did the, the COVID pandemic to some extent challenge that? And then how did you guys address those challenges kind of growing through? I think you know, that outdoor sports or at least the winter sports industry was somewhat of a safe haven for people and that you could still go skiing, you know, during the pandemic, but it'd be interesting to hear how you guys kind of managed that and how that changed your approach in any piece of this. Uh, Cause I, I think you guys are attacking exactly the right thing.
2: It was challenging, insanely challenging on many, many levels. And then on the flip side, again, you know, we were all kind of in the same boat there uh, with the, for our industry. And as the pandemic proceeded it became increasingly real as you said that if people didn't get outdoors and if they weren't you know active to feel normal they were going to go bananas so we really you know actually turned into from my perspective an essential business and um, you could say well you know, a winter and outdoor specialist, a service provider and a retailer is, is, not an, is not an essential business. I don't know if we were, I don't actually believe we were officially, you know, categorized as one, but I, I, I believe we were. And people really looked to us both, you know, in numbers, which was challenging giving capacity requirements and capacity constraints, in numbers and also in kind of engagement and demand to support, you know, their outdoor lifestyles and their outdoor pursuits. And uh, again, while it was insanely challenging on on many levels, I, you know, think we behaved with utmost respect and took care of, you know, each other and our customers and our communities and our business partners to the greatest extent possible. And for us in the outdoor industry, you know, who would have thunk it in terms of unintended benefit, you know, it ended up being a, you know, a tailwind um, tailwind for us.
0: Yeah, no, completely. And just curious, like, obviously during COVID, it seemed like, at least for me, like trying to buy a mountain bike was extremely difficult. And the summer sports have just kind of like the mountain biking and just kind of taken off is what portion of your business would you say is, um, towards summer and what towards winter, if you have a general idea.
2: Yeah, you know, Christie's still is. I mean, has been and still. I mean, we are stronger. We are bigger in terms of volume and in terms of our customer base. In terms, of, you know, our activities, you know, financially in the winter than we are in the summer. But you know, COVID has also changed the game somewhat for. The Western U.S., you know, key epicenter mountain resorts and you know those mountain towns, which like us were more hyper seasonal for the w- winter and snow sports. Mm-hmm. And um, with everything we're talking about and more, the you know demand for you know and people's activity levels in the summer, whether those are locals, those are second homeowners. As all the real estate, you know, got gobbled up, you know, voraciously and then destination travel as well. The summer season, you know, has changed and, you know, there is more traffic and, you know, there is more participation, you know, happening in these resort mountain mountain resorts and the mountain you know, resort towns now in the summer. And you know, we've benefited from that to an extent and are trying also to strengthen our summer season, you know, and our programs in cycling, in hiking, and trail running, and you know, more to come there. And again, it's not only as I say, growth for growth sake, it's really how do we how do we best serve our customers? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, context, you know, has changed, including due to the, due to the pandemic. So we're just, you know, trying to, uh, trying to raise our game.
0: Yeah. And I guess when people think of Christie sports, at least in my historic view, you guys are more of a rental shop, but I was reading online that you guys have actually, your retail sales have outdone your rental. I guess, do you think that's COVID related? Do you think that's just the growth of retail online? What do you, what do you think you put that towards?
2: Yeah, that's a, it's interesting you say that. And I I think that is, you know, a fairly common perception we, we are very strong in the outdoor rental business and we're, we're proud of that. And, you know, we're focused to, you know, keep making it better. But the reality is, is that Christie's retail business has really always been, I mean, just in numbers in, in bigger than the rental business, but it's not actually how, you know, how strategically we approach it. We do put primary focus on our service businesses and that's, is rental is part of that. Actually, when people call us a retailer, it gets under my skin a little bit because, you know, that's actually not how we think of ourselves and how we approach the business which is primarily with you know, primary focus and priority as being you know, the best winter and outdoor service and experience provider. And you know, from my perspective, if our service continues to be outstanding, best in class with rental, plus with all of the tuning and the maintenance and the repair work we do for, outdoor, for ski, snowboard and outdoor equipment and cycling, Plus, even the retail sales we do have such a large service component to it. Uh, these are you know, very technical products and product categories. There's a lot of safety considerations. Basically, even with retail, it's a very uh, consultative sale process, sale process. And we don't look at it. We're not worried about the transaction. We're worried about the service, the experience, and then the customer's journey uh, with us. And as long as, again, um, our service and experience is and continues to be outstanding and best in class, the retail sales just come.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And at least my experience from renting has has always been positive with Christy. And you guys are in a lot of locations too. So it's impressive the scale at which you guys operate. When you think about the services around the business, and we talked about kind of winter and summer you know, how do you see the differences between the product offerings or timings and whatnot? So, so we're, I guess we're in May now, right? Mm -hmm. When do you guys start thinking about summer? Is it always on this kind of winter summer cycle? And then the in-between seasons are just the adjustments Or, or how does your guys' year look with the different seasons?
2: Yeah. I mean, we basically work with and plan and run the business for two seasons which is, you know, a winter season with, you know, primary focus on snow sports, and then a summer season, which, you know, continues to evolve for us, you know, strategically. I mean, with our growth and current customer base, we're trying to get as much insight into our customers' attitudes and behaviors, and their wants and needs possible. So what do they want from us in the summer? You know, how can we serve them best? and that's at this point with, um, we have a background and, you know, a good, you know, a good successful presence in high-end outdoor furniture for people's outdoor lifestyles, which we do like mostly in city stores. I say we're really pushing now with, you know, our scale and the trend in these mountain you know, in the mountain resorts for cycling, hiking, and trail running, And that's not only, as I say, selling it in terms of buy, but also try where, um, we do the try and buy, you know, combination, uh, with cycling and, you know, with, uh, uh, being able to, you know, rent hiking, hiking gear and hiking, you know, kits from us, uh, as well.
0: Nice. So leading into we've about two more questions, I'd always like to throw in a fun one. So, um, I was curious if out of all of your locations, do you have a favorite location?
2: I, I've been asked this question before, and I'm going to have to, like, even if I did, I'm not going to go on the record.
0: <laughs> um, That's reasonable. Because fair, fair enough.
2: <laughs> then, you know, my, my email and SMS is, you know, probably going to be blowing up with some blowback. Well, you know, that, that store will be stoked. And the others may be slightly unhappy campers um, <laughs> and I love them all. So
0: um, okay. I think
2: I'm going to have to leave it at that be politically well, correct and diplomatic here. That, um, and that that's makes my sense answer. Sense. That, uh, that'll <laughs> be my answer that I, I love them all.
0: So to finish it out. Last question here, Matt, for you that we always kind of like to end. What do you see as the future of Christie sports?
2: I think the future is bright. We have a saying here at the company that uh, we love what we do and where we live and just want to share it. It's not just a job, it's a lifestyle. So I think, you know, we're quite well positioned for the present, you know, and the future. And uh, I do think it's about continuing to just grow, learn, improve, you know, keep exploring, uh, keep expanding. To me, this is just sort of, you know, one point on a much longer continuum. I think where we're going strategically in the winter and outdoor, you know, space, plus uh, still our opportunities in the Western U.S. more broadly, nationally, to take our, take our show on the road. And again, you know, given some of my background, if, you know, when the time is right, um, you know, we may spread our wings and, you know, fly even, you know, more broadly internationally.
0: I like that. you have to, if, if that happens, you'll just call Andrew. I we might volunteer for that position. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. If you need anyone to take over the Japal region, yeah. I
2: think. Uh... <laughs> right. I think, I think we'll have a lot of, uh, a lot of volunteers. Have a lot of, yeah, candidates. <laughs> we'll have a lot of, we'll have a lot of resumes.
0: For sure. Awesome. Well, to our listeners, that's Matt Gold, the CEO of Christie Sports. Uh, thank you, Matt, for your time, and uh, look forward catch to catch him out
1: on the slopes or out on the waves. Yeah, yeah. We'll-
2: <laughs> thanks, guys. We'll see you out there. Perfect.
1: Thanks, Matt.